IATSE Local 212 represents over 1,000 artists, technicians, and craftspeople working in Southern Alberta's entertainment industry. In the screen industry, they service projects with budgets ranging from $100,000 to $100 million. Recent increases to local production volumes have led to increased outreach and training. They promote respectful workplaces, safety, fairness, and first-rate benefits for their members. Local 212 is open to partnering with other industry stakeholders on training and marketing initiatives. They offer an informative set etiquette course each month, which is open to all. To learn more about them, please check out their website at iatse212.com or like and follow them on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Happy podcasting! Hello! Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas to the holiday edition of the Alberta Filmmakers Podcast. We should have like jingling bells like yes. the whole time. <laughs> totally. <laughs> like an hour of just... Find the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, Merry Christmas, Matt. Yes, to you as well. How mm-hmm. are you? I'm I'm fantastic, actually. Good, We're winding good. down. Um, and usually for the, from the corporate side of things, usually at this time of year... Um, Everyone has kind of wound everything down and we're expecting and kind of hoping that we'll get some stuff kicked off again in early January. Right, right. So there's always a little bit of anxiety going into Christmas of being like, are we going to have any work next year? Mm-hmm. But there's something something different in the air this year. We, we're pretty much booked into February now. And um, it's, so it's really nice to, to have this week off, uh, but know that everything's going to be fine. Right. Coming back to work and that we're, you know, we're already really busy. So for sure. It's a nice feeling. Agreed. Um, is there anything to talk about with Jones and right now? I guess. Um, no, not really. Not really. Nothing new from last week. It's, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Well, not for me. <laughs> well, it's, it's, you've been reporting still, right? Yeah, a little bit, but, uh, but also it's just, you know, using, uh, I won't go into it, but using, uh, you know, American actors, <clears throat> uh, on an actra production in Canada comes with, uh, some, some hoops. And, uh, you know, it's been, it's been actually easier than I expected, but you know, if any, if anyone out there is intending to do that, uh, just know there are uh, a number of, of challenges and it, it'll be a process. Yeah, absolutely. And, <laughs> it's and delicately put, but get a good accountant, uh, like Sandra Lynn Trent, who's been fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Hugely helpful. Yeah. It's like that, that was a big oops moment for us was, um, thinking that we could kind of join a SAG agreement with an actor agreement. Yeah. But yeah. as soon as you're working outside of the States with SAG, it's global rule one. That's a huge, yeah, that's a huge oh, thing Like just one know. of those, like, I wish we yeah. had someone who knew that. Yeah. Before. Of course. Like, yeah. But I mean, there's no way yeah. to know until you find until out, you, until you make that mistake yeah, sometimes. Yeah, but for sure. Um, but you know, luckily, uh, Kurt Harder was, was in, he was in one of those people who kind of swooped in and saved the day. Gave us on the that. heads up. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, bottom it's line. It's learning moments. Yeah, yeah, is just no. Yes, there are there are low budget SAG agreements that you can use with SAG actors, but only if you're shooting on American soil. So, uh, be prepared to pay a little bit more than you might expect, uh, and and yeah, you'll you'll likely be working with global rule number one, like you said. So uh, something to research if you're interested in having an American actor uh, on your show. However, he was incredible in uh, in Vice. Brandon's Clannar is the you man we're talking Vice? about. Yes. <laughs> Seen by saw an advanced screening of Oh, Vice. amazing. And uh, he had a great line. Like we knew, you know, we all knew small that part. it was going to be yeah. Yeah, a small part from like early in Dick Cheney's life. And uh, 
he gets into a fight with him. He, there's a fist fight. It's very quick, but he also has a hilarious line. They got a really good laugh, um, which is pretty early on. So spoilers for Vice if you're that concerned, but it's it's early on. Uh, Cheney's working as a uh, telephone um, uh, re- telephone line like repairman guy. Okay, yeah. And so him and a whole team of people are like up on these poles and somebody falls and breaks his leg and his leg is all twisted to the left in a way that it sure, really yeah. shouldn't be. And Brandon's character says, hey, it looks like he's doing an Elvis move. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and it was uh, it was good to see. Yeah. And he's got these gross yellow teeth. He's anyway, he's he's a fantastic actor. I'm glad we have. him. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I can't wait for him to get famous. Yes. Just before Jones and comes out <laughs> or like get cast as like. Yeah. Uh, whatever. Next like, Marvel superhero. Totally. Or something. Yeah. Or, 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 yeah. A young Obi-Wan or something. Wouldn't and, that be nice? And, and then we're like, yeah, perfect. We've got a movie with him in it. <laughs> Um, young Obi-Wan yeah I don't know. Who, or whatever you know that thing where it's like or whatever <laughs> totally totally um, he, he could actually be uh, a, he could have been up for a Han Solo uh, if uh, if he had you know been of the uh, had enough kind of yeah, yeah. level and yeah. and yeah he could he could definitely do that yeah he's fantastic he was so great um, anyway anyway uh, uh, yeah so that's what's going on with Jones and I guess yes, yeah <laughs> that's that's a nice little Jones and update uh, not a ton of news in the industry this week because uh, it's Christmas yeah. And everyone's kind of shutting her down. Yeah. So, you know what? Before we move on yeah. from Jones and I just oh, okay. want to thank uh, Aaron Crowley, who is who, from the Film Center. Right. Who uh, is is kind of nearing the end of his term with the with the Film Center um, per his contract, um, but is uh, a huge supporter of the podcast and has obviously been a huge friend to us when it comes to helping Jones and happen. Absolutely. And uh, and I hope we uh, still get to work with him and that he sticks around and uh, and that he, uh, you know, he, he's been a huge, you know, you look at what's happening with Abracadavers and, and all of the other projects. You know, he's a champion for, um, for these uh, projects that have been funded through the Film Center. And I just want to give a tip of my hat to him uh, in case, uh, you know, we don't get to work together again. I, I hope that's not the case, but I know his uh, his term is coming to an end. Yeah, and you know what? The, the thing about about him is that he cares totally, so much totally, and yeah. to me that was always what i thought you know getting a grant would be but the reality is that most of the funds that are administered um just don't have time yeah you know they just don't have time to actually really check in and keep tabs on all the projects and it's more about you know we, we believe in your project here's the money let us know when it's spent and tell us what you did with yeah. it and report yeah. but but he was way more involved and yeah. way more hands-on and um I, I know that it was uh, a bit of a, of a learning curve for some projects. Uh, you know, I didn't have those interactions with him, so I can't speak for you personally. Right. But just as far as like, oh, having having this fund that's really involved in our projects, you know. Right. F- but that's to me how it should be. Absolutely, yeah. Like they're, yeah. they're an investor, yeah. wh- whether yeah. they're you know getting equity or whether they just really care about your project. Right. You would right. hope that they would be this involved in it. Totally, totally. So yeah, and and I so, remember, yeah, he, he just recently asked. Uh, you know, we sent over the footage, and and he had a question for you about uh, about just the way it was shot. Yeah, like exactly. That. The aspect, and that's and, you know, that's not something that you necessarily get from. And understandably, when a government grant is being, you know, I'm sure there's there's a lot of. Um, uh, there's a lot to do and totally. not enough people. And it's I'm not sure. to say that they don't care, but, no, it, but it was just, um, it was nice. It was, it was cool, yeah, it was a different cool experience for sure. Yeah, and, uh, and, uh, he's a cool guy and I hope that, uh, yeah, we get to work with him again soon. Yeah, absolutely. All righty. Uh, so yeah, Christmas, the news basically this week is that everyone's closed. Um, from basically Saturday this week until the 2nd of January, quick draw is an exception. They're opening the 14th of January. Um, so if you're trying to reach them by email, just don't. Just take the week <laughs> off, guys. Yeah, that's right. Just relax. Right. 
Um, so this is our second last episode of this season. Mm-hmm. Um, our, our, we, we haven't got our guest for the last episode yet. No, it's, I guess not. But it's probably going to be someone awesome. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> um, and this week is also someone awesome, but it's it's not so much about this person as it is about um, kind of the movement of the film industry right, right now. Right. Uh, so a lot of yeah, a lot of what's you know what we talk about is a particular project or a particular person, yeah, or and their journey through um, the film industry, and um, and there's a huge conversation you know when <clears throat> when it comes to like Alberta separating and and the oil oh my God. industry. Don't get me started. <laughs> and it's and obviously naturally that that conversation uh, sort of a, a parallel conversation is happening in, in our industry um in a in a growing way which is right. good um about uh you know how we can enhance our, indus- our industry and also i think you know position it so that it you know it can be sort of the leading uh go-to industry when it comes to diversification absolutely if if, if government if trends will go, go to, yeah. there yeah um well and that's why it's so important to be having these conversations now is because um you know the the oil industry is in crisis mm-hmm. and yes part of part of the conversation absolutely has to be how do we fix that right pipelines you know and and this trudeau government you know 1.2 billion dollars basically trying to bribe us or something i'm not sure but <laughs> the point is yes we have to fix what's going on there and no, we cannot just cut out the oil industry at all. But the the conversation also has to be, listen, we've been, we've been in this boom and bust cycle since Alberta started, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. since we found oil in the ground and, and we, you know, this is not going to stop and putting a bandaid on it is going to fix the problem. We need to diversify. And, and by the way, the film industry is a great opportunity to do that. Totally. Um, and it's something that we can start now, uh, so yeah, so the, the conversation is really important and it's a really important time for it because of where the oil industry now is. It's an election year um, between two, you know, pretty serious political parties with ideological differences. Mm-hmm. So yeah, an important time to be having this conversation and um, the, the, the importance is to try to approach government as a unified industry. That's really what's important. And there are many voices at the table and there are many tables with many voices at the yes, table. So yes. <clears throat> um, it's important to recognize, I think that um, you should be doing your own research and getting involved in whatever way seems meaningful to you. But mm-hmm. I do believe that if you're listening, you should be getting involved. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think the season is coming to an end, but it doesn't necessarily mean that we can't do a, another special episode on this, on this topic. Totally. Um, because I, uh, you know, I think what you're getting at is that, you know this conversation that we had with Damien uh, from IATSE is is not meant to be the only conversation, um, but right. it is meant to try to unify the voices around this this conversation uh, and get people talking to each other. So totally um, exactly, and that's what the podcast has always been about. Yeah, and I think yeah. this is probably it's not. I don't think it'll sound like a terribly controversial episode, but it might be one of our more controversial. It episodes. might, yeah, just because there are some polarizing views. Totally, on, on yeah, this and it's you know it's about it's about a, an opinion about our industry. Mm-hmm which obviously is going to create some tension and, right. and other people and friends of ours have other opinions um, about yeah. this. Right. Yeah. So, so it's not meant to be like the end all be all, but I think it's, to me, it feels like a good opportunity. Absolutely. Agreed. And, and you know, the other, the other thing to note is that if, if you, if you disagree with, with uh, this conversation, that's part of what we're putting it out there for. We want to, yeah, that's exactly we don't right. need to be jerks to each other, but um, if you have a, a differing point of view, you know, maybe we can, 
talk to you or maybe we can talk yeah, to exactly. your group and, and, and share that point yeah, of view. That's the whole point of this. Yeah. That's so, the whole point of this. So before, yeah, before you write any angry letters, I guess is what we're saying. <laughs> no, yeah. and that's fine. I don't mind getting an angry letter, but just a recognition of um, the importance of the movement. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and the conversation I think, and just yeah, getting totally. us talking. Yeah, like, exactly. Like Damien talks about the fact that there's, you know, there, there hasn't really been a, a unified voice from our industry in years. There was right. previously. And, and so that's part of what, yeah. what this is. And so if, if there's one takeaway uh, from it is that if you have an opinion about this, you should get involved. You should get involved in this conversation or another conversation. Yeah. And um, now, and the point is yes, to be yes. approaching government with a unified voice. Totally. And that means that, everyone who feels like they should be heard should have been heard already. Right. And the election's coming up. Right. So it's one of those things that is a little bit time sensitive. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's a lot of, of lead up to yes. what I think is a great conversation. Um, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And it starts with a blog post. Ah, uh, yes. Uh, that was pretty critical of our industry. Yes. Yes. Uh, and we'll let Damien kind of tell the story about why the, the time is now to start these conversations. Oh yeah, old rock and roll days. SM58. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I used to be a sound person. Oh really? Yeah, I picked them up at uh, at a yeah a guitar shop uh, that was moving, and uh, it, was, it was a good deal. What were you doing as a sound person? That was how you cut your teeth in this. Yeah, well, I I studied theater, so I went to Mount Royal University. It was called Mount Royal College at the time, and um, I used to be a sound technician. Of course, all the technology has changed completely. Certainly, of course. Was it tape to tape at the time, kind of thing? Actually, yeah. yes. When I was in, yeah. I'm so old. That <laughs> when I was in university, I was cutting magnetic tape with a razor blade wow, nice. and measuring the speed at seven and a half inches per second. Wow. And if an actor in a musical had a sore throat and couldn't hit that top C, I could actually take the pitch down a little bit by slowing. The, the reel to down. reel down a little yeah. bit, but not enough to make the whole thing sound weird, but just half a oh. tone. So you were doing what T-Pain is doing now on Maybe. analog, basically. Right. Maybe. Yeah, oh, yeah. I was way ahead of my time. <laughs> way ahead of T-Pain, for sure. Um, so so how did that translate into into where you are today? Well, my background, so I was trained in, in theater, and I worked for seven years at a place called Pleiades Mystery Theater. And uh, we did murder mystery. So I actually worked as a city of Calgary employee who was a stage manager. Cool. It was a wonderful job, and um, I'm grateful that I got it. Um, and those were good times. We used to be in the old uh, planetarium building. Cool. Which wow, still nice. exists. Yeah, I love but, that. Um, yeah. We had some fun. And whenever there was an eclipse or a planet or a, a comet, Something interesting happening. I had full access to a really Very good cool. telescope. So. Nice. Oh, right on. That's cool. Um, and then, and then, IATSE from there. Yeah. So I actually I came into IATSE through the stage side of of the local. Um, I was working at Alberta Theater Projects, and and the theater venue got organized. So I became a member of IATSE, and then from there I sort of learned a lot more about. Um, IATSE and the type of work that it did and and the local at the time um, this was 1996 probably had about 350 members so um, since then it's grown considerably and um, there's been a lot of changes obviously in Mm -hmm. the screen industry and in stage and event industry of course and so um, it it's um it's been an interesting ride shall Mm -hmm. we say Mm -hmm. yeah no doubt um 
you know, I still want to go through the, this uh, this whole separate episode about your life, um, and I think that there's a lot of story to tell there as well. But that's not what we're here for today. This is just like we chatted last time too, with with um, right. That was the respectful yeah, workplaces, workplaces with, with Natasha. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was I'm a great. I'm so episode. glad you guys ran that. That's yeah, that a very great. important piece. Yeah, important of course, topic absolutely. In general yeah. in the industry. For yeah, sure. absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's catching on, which is really nice. So, this is an interesting time for the film industry. Um, and we find ourselves as an industry in a bit of a unique position than we have for the past few decades. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. Why, why is that? Well, I think there are a number of factors. One of them is that there's a pending election coming up and that always creates a certain amount of anxiety amongst people, but it, it's seen by many people as an opportunity for change. Right. And I think a lot of people are, are, are looking at our situation here in Alberta and really thinking that we really need to step up and really not just ask for a solution, but find that solution and work with government towards that solution. So, you know, I've seen a lot of positive things in the last month. I, I don't think I've ever had as much communication with the Ampia leadership as I'm having now. I've had a really, really constructive dialogue with uh, Michael Jorgensen, the chair of Ampia. And um, um, this time when everyone's talking about what's the next move can be a unifying moment, I Mm -hmm. think, for the industry. And uh, we're starting to have some really solid discussions with a full range of stakeholders, a very robust and diverse group. Right. And um, there are the same common themes that come up. And there are certainly places where we all agree on things. Right. So, yeah, I mean, you know, it's a lot to kind of dig into. Um, And I think one of the key messages is that we're not going to agree on everything. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I I would think. I kind of have to agree with it. (laughs) If you disagree with it, then I disagree. My point, yeah. (laughs) I I think there are broad strokes that um, that everyone can get behind, right? And then when it gets into the nuances of who's representing whom and what is their ultimate goal, right? um, You'll find differences, but I think within that, and even within, I um, you know, I'll credit um, Michael Jorgensen with showing some leadership here. Um, we've really been constructive about how far down that road we can actually get before right. we're not... Before it starts to break down a little bit into yeah. specific requirements or needs or wants. Yeah, I think, but no matter what you know your agenda is, from an objective point of view, we seem to have all the elements of a, of a great film and television industry soup, but... It's not but working. The pot's not boiling. Yeah. And, 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 and and all we have to do is look at Vancouver to see. Well, they seem to have a formula that's that's making a lot of sense. And why isn't that working here? Well, it's interesting you you say that because I I totally agree with that comment because what's happened in the last three years has been remarkable. We've got viable soundstage facilities. We've got even a couple of choices of sound right. stages, which we didn't really have before. Yeah, we've got very sizable training opportunities. I mean, we just spoke with uh, uh, first years at SATE mm. last week, and they've doubled up their input. Oh, yeah. So that class is now two classes, it's right? Huge. Like, yeah. It used huge. to be 30 or 40 keen people. 
Now it's like an elite group amongst 400 applicants who actually yeah. got accepted, and right. there's like 80 of them or some high number. Yeah, like that. And well, we know we were we were we're alumni, so it was 30 previously. And now they they do 60 a year. Yeah. Oh, is that those are the yeah. numbers? Yeah. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. It just seemed like a mob of <laughs> for sure. Yeah, and, and it sure. was two classes. Yeah. I didn't yeah. remember. Well, it, it is. Being yeah, two. it is two classes for sure. Yeah. And I remember um, when I kind of I'd been out of state for a couple of years, and I was chatting with someone in the in the post industry, and he was shaking his head about that program, and he said, "You know, there's 30 new entrants into our." film industry every year just through state alone do you think our industry is big enough to support them and with the with that growth every year and i i had never really thought about it like that before and i i, I said yeah i think so and then and then when i left the room i was like shit no i don't think that's true <laughs> yeah so and now here we are with and that's just state's film program right and there are eight training institutions right exactly yeah in and this that, province yeah, and now right. that program has doubled and so and i'm starting to wonder really a lot about about supporting everyone who wants to work in this well, industry, yeah. let alone the people who already work in this right, industry. Right, right. That's like the $100 million issue right, right now. But, um, you know, to stay positive, uh, you know, there are additional opportunities with the opening of those sound stages. Um, we started about three years ago, we started to see year-round employment. So suddenly for, for the membership that I represent, they're in legitimate careers, in legitimate crafts, working... I won't say 12 months a year because this is a rather grueling industry. Right, you may right. have noticed. You may take, yeah. need to take um, a break. <laughs> yeah. So, so um, I, I, you know, many of our members are happy to do two or three shows a year and take three or four. Some take four months off. Sure, yeah, yeah. And uh, we're a unique industry that way. But um, it speaks to your point about capacity because um, suddenly we were increasing our capacity because we had all these people in, I'm going to call it the shoulder season, November to March. Yes. Suddenly we had all these people working. And you know some of the shows in recent years like Damnation and Fargo. And uh, it, I think it probably started with Revenant, which was a year before that. Oh, right, right. That started in 2015 and finished in 2016. When they ran out of winter, they went to southern tip of Argentina. Yes. But um, what that created for... For, for us was this momentum and an expectation, uh, certainly at the membership level and, and many of the leaders in the community, that we're a legitimate service production as well as all the other great things we have. So, so then when it started to slow down this year, um, people like me were really analyzing where the brake pads are. <laughs> and um, we, we've... We reached the conclusion that there were additional filters added under the um, production grant program right. that were having an immediate impact of reducing the amount of jobs available and even the budget sizes. And this became this became um, a primary concern. It, it, it went from the middle burner to the front burner really fast when we saw the shoulder season that I just described come up and we, we've got, we've got one large project and yeah. we're certainly grateful for that. And Disney's always been a historical employer for us. I used to work on their honey. I shrunk the kids right. show as a grip Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. many decades ago. <laughs> but, but my, my point being this, this is all about jobs. I think the top resource that we have in our industry is it's people. Mm. 
I I absolutely think that um, we need to work with government. They've told us what their challenges are, and we found in some cases we found solutions. I when I say work with government, I'm actually talking about the bureaucracy. I'm talking right. about the people who many of whom will be there after the election. Right, not the yeah, politicians. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And they're keenly aware. And there's been some wonderful developments in the last month. I mean, uh, there's been discussions that Ampia and I have had with um, the Culture and Tourism Ministry. They want to put the band back together. They want to reinstate uh, the something that might look like what used to be the Alberta Film Advisory Council. Uh-huh. Now, that's a really, really valuable thing to have because it, it sort of just dissolved into the distance. Uh, right. I think if you Google it, it still lives on oh, yeah. in infant, infamy, <laughs> but I doubt that page has actually been updated since 2015. Right. Right. But what, what that gave us the ability to do is have those discussions that we really shouldn't be having with angry letter campaigns or uh, whatever it is, and, and reinstitute that um, because that's very healthy. The mm. government wants that too. Mm. We had an incident about a month ago where suddenly people weren't getting their full commitment, right? And suddenly the angry letters were flying left, right, and center. Yes, they fixed it, but. Um, we, here in Alberta, we've always had the problem of looking like we've got our hands out all the time asking for more money. Mm-hmm. The effect that's had on the bureaucracy and the elected leaders is it's never good enough. Right. That we're, we're, all we want is more money, and right. we're never happy. In fact, we are. And you know, we've had numerous meetings with various high-ranking officials who've been very constructive about what their challenges are. And so we're we're at that next level where we're not saying to government, what are you going to do for us? We're saying, we've heard what you told us, and wow, you've got some real challenges. And we've looked at it, and I think we want to work with you as a group. When I say we, I include every person in our industry right, right. to find the solution and to not threaten pieces of the existing model that are actually working and driving some really good business in our community. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, interrupt me, but I'll, I'm, I'm no, just no, going to no, keep, keep going. going. Yeah. <laughs> there's kind of a thing that happens where um, somebody raises that there's a problem and then somebody on the marketing side of the industry says, how dare you? Why are you, why are you pointing to problems when we're trying to sell this thing? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. At some point, I think all of us need to be working in the same direction to have a reset and go, holy, those are big problems. Right. We probably should fix them right. rather right. than ignore them. Right. I feel like it's it, it is it is a tough you know a tough thing to say. Um, it's a tough line to walk because you need to be promoting the positive aspects of our industry, right? You need to be you need to go out and and sell Calgary to the world, and if they see an industry that's not working, or if they see an industry in turmoil. It's just easier to go somewhere else. Yeah. People are always looking for a reason not to shoot somewhere. But at the same time, it's not all roses and and sunshine because we can look at a, at a, at a center like Vancouver and wonder why when they're so busy that they can't, you can't even find studio space. You can't even find crews. Why aren't they coming here? We're right next door. We don't have provincial sales tax. We've got a competitive uh, tax credit ish, quote unquote. Um, 
we have some friends working on uh, uh, the chilling adventures of Sabrina and and Riverdale uh, shooting in yeah. Vancouver, and he was <laughs> he was telling a story about how they were they were both both sets were set up so nearby each other that they were getting into each other's shots. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> I wish we could have you that. Have problem. Yeah. Could you imagine? Yeah. Yeah. So it's just you know. Yes, yes, there are some great things about our industry, but you can, I mean, the numbers speak for themselves, right? And the production volume speaks for itself. And, and you know, it was not long ago that I remember IATSE saying, we are going to, we are about to be hooped. We need way more crews. And suddenly that's gone away. Um, so yeah. it's, it's, it's tricky. And to me, the word that I feel rides that line is opportunity. And you can say, we've got problems. Um, and those those are an opportunity to fix what's wrong with our industry. And you can say our industry is great, and it's an opportunity for growth here because some some of the things are working. And I feel like that, to me at least, speaks to a bit of a middle ground. Absolutely, it, right. There's some really good things going on. I mean, I've spoken to hundreds of industry stakeholders, and. The, be- because it's Christmas season, there's a few parties going on. Right. And you yeah, see yes, more. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You rub more shoulders than usual. Yeah. But um, what well, the discussions are very healthy ones about what's actually needed, and uh, I've heard from uh, local producers and uh, people who represent sound stages and others, and there's there's really some very simple common themes we all agree on. The first piece, you know, industry meeting with government. I think that one's in the process of being solved right now. And right. that government's shown some leadership. And again, we're speaking to the um, bureaucracy at this point. The I, We get it that the elected officials need, I think the official term they're using is uh, clear runway prior to election, mm. which is code for you might not see a budget before the election happens. Right. Uh, I think whatever the budget is, is already locked down. So nobody's expecting a miracle change in the budget. We're actually saying we can probably survive the short term, but on an ongoing basis, the status quo, and speaking for my members, is going to cost us hundreds of jobs. Right. And we we absolutely can't settle for a status quo in the long run. Uh, And something that uh, when when this discussion does come up, Something that concerns me is the amount of misinformation, and I, uh, I I don't like to to sort of start correcting people because then they're like, well, what side are you on? And it's like, well, no, I just want to get the facts straight. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not against you. And so one of the one of the important things that you know, and maybe there's some folks listening to the podcast who have no idea what the situation is. So I just want to kind of cover what what's happening and what has happened is that we don't have a tax credit in Alberta. We have an all spend grant. Um, and I just wonder if you could walk us through sort of what, you know, what's very briefly, what's sort of been the genesis of the incentives in Alberta up until this point? Oh, wow. That's quite a history. It, it doesn't, yeah, back very to, brief, very brief, uh, uh, specifically about, and then kind of en- ending with the changes with the SPG. When you, when you look at the 15 year trend, it's actually a report of progress. Right, right. Like, and, and so when, when the friends of the Alberta Film Commission, which was privately funded, sort of came out with that, um, came back to government. Government took the industry back. Right. The industry had sort of gone away right. during the Klein years. I'll avoid that lengthy discussion. Sure. <laughs> Fair enough. But what we had was a 
$50,000 cap and a, a wow. very favorable exchange rate in this country. Right, right. So we were seeing... $750,000 cap? Uh, uh, initially, oh, wow. incentives weren't really a big deal right. uh, until about 2003. British is, Columbia was certainly a leader with it. Right. Oh, okay. I didn't know but that. But there'd been a keeping up with the Joneses effect that happened between... Uh, British Columbia and Ontario. So, and it was everything to do with the dollar going up in 2004. Okay. And eventually, the dollar went above par. Ah, right. And then there was this. a yeah. thing. There was a thing called pegging the dollar, where some of the sound stages in BC were losing work, and so they would peg a certain exchange rate. So they would oh. make the dollar uh, permanently 80 cents, even though it was oh, at wow. par. Huh. So then there was pressure. I remember there were certain individuals who I'll leave out of this in our community applying all kinds of pressure for us to peg the dollar. Well, these are human beings, and you can't uh, uh, peg someone's livelihood against a moving right. exchange rate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We resisted that, and I think we did the right thing. Right, right. But um, then the cap was sorry. The cap was one point five million at that point. It then went up to three. And then we had uh, the Alberta Film Advisory uh, Council pressuring like mad to find a way to raise that cap. Right. And, um, and just so, again, for people who are brand new, maybe the, the cap being the maximum amount of money that a, that a production could uh, get from the government as an incentive. Yes, precisely. So there are two caps that we could talk about. There's the per project one, the absolute maximum a project could receive. And then there's the overall. Because it's not um, a tax credit per se, it's actually a line item on a budget that's funded by the Alberta Lotteries Foundation. Right, right. Are they Alberta Lotteries Gaming and Cannabis? Oh, they may be. Uh, I think yeah, they yeah, may yeah, have yeah, had a name right, change, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I apologize to anyone. Smoke weed and make movies. <laughs> I, I think so, and I'm yeah, right. so glad you said that. <laughs> But, so, but, so what happened though? We so we had a culture minister. Since I've been in this job, we've had nine different ministers, wow. mostly in in things that look like culture, but also economic development. Right. And so the cap went up to five million, which was an important uh, uh, thing for our industry. I want to say it happened in 2010, and then we started to see some television series right. happening in this province. Right. Right. And uh, then there was a thing called double tranching. Yes. Some yeah. called it double dipping. You talked about that in your blog. Yes. But, yeah. uh, and so so we were aware of that. And in fact, we liked it because it was a workaround to get the cap a little higher. Right, right. right. So people really thought, oh, this is a good thing. And um, we were told around the time of the Redford government, around the time the AFAC was starting to dissolve, that that was going away. I think... I think two shows got grandfathered. I'm trying to remember. I think it was Hell on Wheels, and I, th- I think it was Heartland. But um, it was possible that someone could apply twice in the same season under the $5 million cap right. to uh, magically make the cap $10 million. $5 million twice, yeah. Right. yeah. And, and this is all publicly available information. They yes. have to release yeah. Absolutely. Who is and when you talk about thing. rumors and yeah. facts... I agree with you. There's yeah. a lot of misinformation. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, you know, people are threatened that we'd want to put some of this out in the open. Right. But it's already really, out in the open. Yeah, yeah. It, it's in the open. Yeah, and the information's there. It's public yeah. dollars, right? Yeah. yeah. So so then 
it's not so much to dwell on problems as to find solutions at this right. point. So then um, the cap current the cap last year in October was raised uh, from five to seven point five. So some big changes last year. One yeah. being that, but but also the sort of uh, retirement of the Alberta um, production grant. The Alberta production grant, yeah. And the creation of the screen-based production grant. Yes, the SPG. So with the SPG also came, um, that same month it was revealed that the Auditor General had spotted some problems with yes. the fund. And this is the bit that folks don't like me talking about right. but it's an important it, one i remember when you first available. told me this yeah yeah and and, and i'm not mm. wanting to dwell on it or point too many fingers at, rather than just to say if we've only got a finite amount of money and it's going to all kinds of places including out of our province mm-hmm. we should probably admit that that happened and fix it totally so i think when the SPG changes came, it was from a very good place to try and solve those problems. But the unintended consequence that really uh, wreaked havoc on my membership was the, the effect of filtering how many projects could qualify. Right. So suddenly it was really, really hard to get to this 75 um, but you had to check a lot of boxes in right. order to do that. And that was also a symptom of the entire fund getting an official cap in budget, right, to the tune of forty-five million, which That's which exactly had not existed right. before. It was this, you know, the the Alberta government, Alberta Film says, and this is true. It is it was never guaranteed, but they didn't have a hard number from the government as far as how much they could. Well, give I away. think that's a really important piece, and you're quite right. You're correct that. The government was essentially paying it forward. Yeah, they were just saying, sure, you know, we were we were averaging around between thirty and thirty-five million a year. So then this announcement was a further filter because right. they were putting their foot down, and right. there was some terrifying language to many producers that were saying yeah. <laughs> we reserve the right to limit the amount of the payoff, essentially, and that actually happened a, a month or so ago. I know it did get fixed, but it's you know the ability to. Uh, reduce the commitment is a terrifying thing to a producer and, and it, it, yeah. well especially a foreign producer right and and I and I want to I wanted to ask you about this because you and I have chatted previously about sort of the problems around co, uh, co-productions or, or or foreign productions that are that are coming to town and, and how they can manipulate the fund a little bit but also uh, my concern about these SPG changes were, were that it was going to completely turn off any kind of service production because uh, it was no longer a guarantee, right? You need, you now need to apply first and get your approval second. Uh, and if you're Sony or or Warner Brothers, and and well, it's it's guaranteed over here with the labor tax credit, but not in Alberta with the grant that I have to apply for and then wait months to find out if I. Well, and the and the other issue was the windowing that right. you know, and this is to me, this is all. These are all kind of we had to do this because we have a cap now. What happens if we hit that forty five million? How do we decide who gets the money and who doesn't? And I understand that. And then, and so the creation of, you know, these the, this checklist of guidelines that you have that you have to meet, and this windowing where they have to create, they have to divide the fund, you know, evenly throughout the year so that it doesn't become a first come first serve thing for the whole pot of forty five million. So I understand all these decisions, but again, if you're coming in and you're Sony and it's like, oh, I had to apply in March, or I'm I'm hooped. It scares the shit out of me, right? And so, and and when you're spending, and it's that, so easy to be like that. Jurisdiction's easier, and that's yeah, it's guaranteed, and I know what it's going to be. And 
Yeah, and you know, that's why I'm saying what's happening in our community is super healthy because right. the the people that I'm talking to are identifying the common themes. One of them is this whole bid and award system they're calling it. You're kind of entering a contest that you might check all the boxes, but somebody still could disqualify you. Mm-hmm. And, right. um, you know, when we look at what took place in Ontario and British Columbia, when they made changes to those funds in, in BC and in, in Ontario in the last three years, they actually lowered the amount of the incentive. But what they did is they consulted extensively with the industry and they resoundingly got, if you impose caps, that's going to bring in instability. So we'd rather you tinker, tinker slightly with the uh, percentage of the right, payout, right. you know, right. within reason, than impose any form of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And that includes a bid and award system or anything where a jury is involved or right. somebody's determining who shows more merit because you're more Albertan. That becomes a problem for people who need to budget based on certainty. Mm-hmm. And that theme um, has completely um, been raised <laughs> with right. government. They're right. fully of course, aware yeah. of it. Right. There, there are plans to get everybody to the table at, in, in the same group. When I say everybody, I don't think they actually want 4,000 people to right. show up to a meeting. <laughs> How I envision it might work is a much smaller group with good representation from a robust group. Right. But at the end of the day, we don't want people who aren't service producers speaking on behalf of service producers. Right. True enough. That's how we got into this model. Right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of positives. People are nervous about change mm-hmm. um, From for the working families that I represent. I have no choice but to resist a status quo outcome. For some stakeholder groups, they have told me privately they won't, they're okay with a status quo outcome because mm-hmm. it serves their needs. Right. Right. My members, while they, they work a lot of stuff, they work commercials and micro budgets, and, but they really need the high-paying jobs to be there or that earlier discussion we had about all these post-secondary grads moving to British Columbia continues on. It, uh, it, it really does, and there's... Yeah. I had, I had two different meetings last week with people that I really care about um, who are both looking westward or down south or, or eastward. And I mean, that happens and that's fine. But, you know, we're, Alberta is known as Canada's training ground for this industry, right? We bring people up and then they hit this ceiling where, you know, they've got enough talent and enough of a resume to do something bigger and there's nothing for them here. Well, about five years ago, the industry was kind of doing what it's doing now and reevaluating and taking stock. I was asked to estimate how many crews in BC came from Calgary. <laughs> so it, that was one of the more depressing things I've ever done in my I, life. I, but, tell um, me there, everything there about that. There were seven yeah. or eight crews. Full crews. So, so you have to make a number of assumptions and generalizations to even come up with such right. a stat. Right, of course. And some departments are thin where people aren't transferring. Sure. sure. Like we we represent some unique categories. Script supervisors a department right. of one. That's a rare right. position. <laughs> sure. So you try to go to your smallest departments and figure out how many of them have transferred. Right, right, right. And then you work work out backwards. So eight or nine crews have 
full crews, yeah, Unreal. like large crews, right. yeah. Um, and um, there's this myth in our community, and it comes up. It usually, um, well, I won't say who always raises it, but I will say that somehow we can magically repatriate people, <laughs> and uh, that for a while it was part of it was part of the guidelines, right? And it was actually a thing on paper, hmm. but in real life. If you move your entire family and you go to a place where the grass is greener and you settle in and get a mortgage, well, not a lot of new mortgages in Vancouver because of the prices. This is true. But um, what I'm saying is it wasn't our experience that they repatriated. Right. If there was a bonus for them to come back for one show, sure. Sure. But they might as it's, you know, they're not going to, yeah, they're not going to move their entire lives, especially when it's still as unstable as it has been. Yeah. So, you know, working on the model that jobs are the most re- important resource we have, Albertans working in the industry, when a British Columbia unit shoot comes in, and, and if if they're under the eligibility to shoot part of their project in Alberta, that means that that crew is getting a much higher rebate to that production than if they hired Alberta crew. Right. Because the percentage is lower. Right. So, you know, if we, and this has happened quite recently where the Alberta crew's being put up as well. So, their hotel room and their per diem and their lunch and some of their travel inside of the province, that's all eligible, Alberta eligible. Right. So, um, 30%. But so is it with the BC crew. So, a BC crew in a hotel room and their lunch cost also 30%. Right. But that producer's paying a penalty for having hired Albertans. We permitted 63 people to come in recently on a show, and that wasn't enough. And so there's a disincentive for us to be married to a model that um, causes a producer to pay a penalty when they hire Alberta crew. You know, I'm going to put my hand up and say... Status quo is not working for right. us. We're losing hundreds of do- jobs. It's kind of the opposite. I realize that other stakeholders are, you know, I'm fine in my right. part of the industry. Sure. Right. But we we need we do need to work together. Right. We'll grow the whole thing. That's that's the ultimate goal. But why is it okay to be fine? Like why can't, why can't we all work for something better in general? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, maybe I'm not quite as jaded. I suppose. no, I you uh, know that's I think okay. There's still time. Yeah, <laughs> I think the reason I Matt, the reason Matt and I get along is because we're hopeless optimists. Yeah, well, I think you have to be in this industry. Yeah, I, mean, I think so too. We're talking about a gig economy. The people who yeah. survived, like my members who've gone 20, 30, 40 years, they have had to be so resourceful. Right. Yeah. And yeah. and the thing that changed though is. There is year-round employment in a pattern of the last three years. Right. And so now these changes have suddenly threatened that again. So now we're ramping up mm. um, with wanting more changes that can benefit the government as much as it can benefit the industry. So there, there's, a key, there's a key thing here, and that's that film is treated as a cultural industry. And I wonder... You know, if I don't really know anything about how this works or how a film industry and a government work together, and I look at Vancouver and I look at those tax credits and I look at this, you know, you called it like a keeping up with the Joneses, kind of an arms race with the tax credit rate. Why ever would a government put so much money behind culture? Why would the B, why would BC and why would Ontario be competing for something that's only culturally based? 
Well, I think it is seen as a, in British Columbia, it's one of their largest industries. Right. So they have crossed that threshold. And I think if you trace the history of our industry being cultural, you'll see that Peter Lougheed many years ago sort of laid the foundations for culture being an important piece of our economy. But the stakeholders I'm talking to, they feel very strongly that we're a legitimate business, right. as, you're, as you're indicating, and that really, you know, if you had to pick a ministry, the one that looks and smells more like what we're doing here is economic development. Right. Uh, however, um, the, uh, th- those, the discussions that are happening now with government and that will be happening will no doubt have that as, as a sort of a high-level right. issue to be discussed. And so f- those doors are back open, and, and we're actually speaking to the bureaucracy in the new year. And hopefully they pick the right group right. of shortlist, and hopefully the larger group all has access to that process. And that's also why I, you know, I bring up timing as, as part of this conversation is because, yes, it's an election year. Yes, we have a government that's, that's actually listening to us. But, you know, oil is on the way down again, right? We're, have, we're having to choke supply just to keep the prices up. And I think at least, you know, I, I've been around long enough to see this happen enough times to, to feel like it's people mean it when they say we need to diversify as a province. Mm. That's definitely the rhetoric of uh, both the leading political right. parties for the election. Right. And I wanted, I think this is the point in this conversation where I jump in headfirst and, and say, Ontario and Quebec both very recently elected very conservative governments. Right. And uh, the expectation on the industry side was that possibly cuts were coming. Right. Hey, everyone, just want to take a quick second out of our conversation with Damien to tell you about the Calgary Film Centre, uh, located in southeast Calgary. We talked a bit about it at the top of the show about um, Aaron specifically. Uh, and there's a, the other Aaron there who also does great work. Um, the Calgary Film Center, it's a world-class screen-based production facility, suitably equipped and serviced so you can execute your next project with ease. They have 50,000 square feet of purpose-built sound stages, three different sound stages, uh, and they've also got 25,000 square feet of multi-purpose warehouse and workshop spaces, all of this complemented by their anchor tenant right on the premises, uh, William F. White, Canada's oldest and largest provider of professional motion picture, television, digital media, and theatrical production equipment. At the Film Center, um, they care, in case you hadn't heard us talk about it earlier, uh, and their aim is to deliver production support for local, national, and international screen industry projects in a purpose-built venue designed to service individual client needs. And they deliver programs such as the Project Lab uh, to engage and support innovation and excellence in the film and television industry. They have lots of training initiatives, um, and they have lots of great stuff going on. I encourage you to follow them on social media um, and visit their website at calgaryfilmcenter.com. All right, let's get back to it. Um, that didn't happen in the case of Ontario and Quebec. Um, they've they've reinforced their support for the industry for the reasons that you were just mentioning, Scott, that this is an econ- economically important to our diverse economy. Mm. So when the words uh, diversity and jobs are at the front of all political parties' platforms, I think every everyone in our industry has always seen this as the low-hanging fruit. And right. and so something could be done that benefits the government. Having said that, there aren't 20 different models for them to look at. Right. We've been through all the existing working models, and really, you know, it boils down to there's only one, maybe two configurations 
in our case, we, we think there needs to be two models. Just as Ontario and Manitoba have both an all-spend and a labour-based, that way we can, we can grow the whole thing and take the pressure off the, the grant a little bit. Right, by, right, okay. So what you're proposing is not to take away the grant as it exists, but rather to create as well a labor-based tax credit like... like uh, yeah, so add a leaner model so that, so that the return... The whole issue that government has told us time and again, I've been in about 15. I'm a registered lobbyist, so I've met with chiefs of staff, right. premier, cabinet ministers... So I know what the issues are. Right. We're, we're not saying what, what do you think it should be. It's all about this return on investment challenge. And with no uh, provincial sales tax in this province, I think we as an industry should really go, yeah, they have that challenge. But we, don't, we absolutely don't want to lose the hundreds of jobs. So then we work with government and we find that model that works for them. I think I already know what it is. I'm open-minded enough to say, Hey, if someone's got a better model and it will actually work, bring it forward. But right. um, you don't really want me to talk about the problems with the current <laughs> model, but I'm here to say uh, that's real news. That's right. not fake right. news. Right. So so um, um, let's all have our conversation. I'm thrilled to bits that um, Ampia, I'm, re- I'm really feeling good about that. I, th- I think for a time there was almost... Uh, for a number of years, there was a challenge between who speaks for who. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that, right. you know, um, obviously I've said, I I don't think people who aren't service producers should speak to what the service producers need. Mm. Let's talk to the service producers. Let's get their voice. Let's consider all options. Just because uh, one of my members is working on a big service production doesn't make them any less cultural or less Albertan or... Right. Uh, the content is insignificant. I, I, I think good-paying jobs are good-paying jobs for Albertans. And I think, um, I think the models that are, are encouraged employment, those are the models. They'll still fill up the sound stages and the equipment suppliers. Talk to the equipment suppliers in Ontario and B.C. when uh, right. the, their clients are using labor-based tax credits. Ask them if they're busy. Right. They're busy. Yeah, yeah, it works. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you can't deny that having a healthy service production side of our industry does not benefit, or does benefit our local production. Oh, community, we grow right? the of whole course. thing like, together, and those the suppliers yeah. we have are very good about giving breaks to um, lower budget projects. Yeah, of and they are. That's how the model works. We we do that with our yeah. with our labor. Um, if we have members that want to work on the lower budget, we try to provide their benefits and safety. But um, at the end of the day, we can't, as a union, we can't continue to do that if there are no high-paying right, jobs. Yeah. All we're doing is creating a, a low-wage environment for our members, which is contrary to being a trade union. Right, right. And you don't hear people, you know, the people who are leaving Alberta, you don't hear them complaining that there isn't enough local production. They're complaining that there's not that there's no work here. Period. They don't care who the producer sure. is or where mm-hmm. the money's mm-hmm. coming from. Yeah. They want to work. They want to get their days. They want to work. So yeah, you know that way we're we're reducing our brain drain, and you know the people that are fantastic and are leaving can stay here and continue to be fantastic. And that's how you get the best DPs and the best key grips and the best crews is because they're working on service productions 
and then they can take a couple months off to work on something that's local. So it all feeds it, it all feeds in itself. I don't think there's any need to have these two sides of an industry even considered as different sides. They're just different parts of it. Yeah. So with that said, you know, I'm continuing to meet with whoever wants to meet. We've already got a group that started meeting. I think the opportunity to include everyone is still there. Um, I, I don't think that anything's written in stone, but what I'm seeing is a lot of people who are highly talented wanting to help. So you see people offering up that we should uh, raise the awareness of our industry to the general public. Well, people have been saying that for a couple of decades. Right. But here's a top gaffer. Here's a director. Right, right. Here's an equipment supplier. Here's All of those people are coming to the table and saying, we want to meet with our industry and we can resource this thing. And this is a good thing. That's the first piece to the yeah. the public education feeds into the industry education and the government education. Right. This was a this was kind of a learning moment for me. Was this because because I, I attended this meeting last week and um, you know historically I've been frustrated knowing that these you know these lobbying conversations are happening and that there are people speaking on behalf of of producers in the industry and and, and unions and everyone. And feeling like I never had a chance to get involved in those conversations. And I'm wondering why they weren't inviting, you know, local producers into this stuff. And and when I was at this meeting last week, I realized that that was totally on me. There were, you know, you, you put out this blog post and in the footnote of the blog was like, if you want to get involved in this or come to these meetings, just email us. And I was sitting at this table and being like, oh, literally anybody is welcome to come to this meeting. It's an open door meeting. So... It, Yes. Everything before, you know, that that's my fault for not reaching out to get involved. I, Just expecting I don't know if it is. Me. I mean, we kind of evolved into silos. Well, yeah, I think, yeah, but totally. And that's part of what but this podcast that door is designed is to destroy. I, I yes. do think the door is wide open. Yes. And I it, don't think yes. we should have competing silos or anything. I, I mean, I was fascinated to have producers of large projects show up and say, this is my problem and sit right beside somebody who's trying to rent equipment and somebody else who's a director. And, and, and what was remarkable that when we met with a group of 25 people, it could be different people, it's, a, it's an engagement process for everybody, mm-hmm. um, is that it didn't take long for a bunch of people in a room to go, here's our three main issues. Issue one, yes. we need to communicate with government as an industry. Somehow that went away. Right. Boom. That one's already solved. Right. Now, the second one's a little bit harder, but the government's well aware of it. It's this whole intake process, the bid and award system, uh, that needs to be cleaned up. I think everybody in our industry that I've talked to so far, there may be some out there who disagree, but I think you're going to get 90 to 100% agreement on that issue. And then on the high budget, we've, for whatever reasons, maybe unintended, um, have created a filter that we're losing all the work we were enjoying that's the high-budget piece. Right. Can we at least restore to that level, but even better, um, find a leaner model that... So we really don't want to be the ones with our handout begging for money. Right. We find that model the government <laughs> likes so that their return on investment, they can say to the people who elected them, we're getting value, we're creating jobs, we've got to vital industry and if you look at anybody's projections on the growth of this industry this is the one and i think i think um 
people from all unions and from uh, all stripes of uh, our industry were agreeing on those three points. The first one's been done. I think the opportunity to remove the silo effect that we're discussing comes when we have that group. But when I spoke to um, senior bureaucrats, they were even willing to engage in public engagements. And we had a long chat with a few people about what that would look like. And of course, we go back to the Film Ontario model. They became so, they started with four people and they grew it out and included everyone. They reached a point where the premier of the province would attend their annual wow. general meeting. Wow. The industry had become vital and it, they'd done all the right things. It happens in British Columbia as well. Mm. And uh, particularly when the funding is in trouble, um, suddenly there's 1,500 right. people show right. up yeah. to a meeting. They're well organized. And they have a lot more people in the right. first place. <laughs> but but I guess I guess where I'm going is, um, while I know people get frustrated that I've actually raised some of the problems that are jeopardizing the livelihood of my members, I'm not here to uh, pick fights. Right. I'm here to find the path. And, and uh, I want to leave the door open. And it's not my baby other than that's where we started meeting. Leave the door open that the voices can come to the table. I've um, certainly reached out to Ampia, and they like that concept. I don't think there's any top-secret lobbying going on, although there might have been before. I think we're all we we. It's a really high level of conversation where people are starting to actually understand what the other people in the same group are are doing and what their goals are. Right. So so. From that, um, I'm feeling really good that nobody gets left out. Or right. um, I don't know that that forum was actually ever there. Well, I mean, it isn't. It isn't. It's just a matter of doing doing the legwork to reach out to the people. I don't think anyone was, at least not in my experience. People in this industry are welcoming and they and they appreciate support, generally speaking. But in in this round, I think it's a little bit different in the sense that it is more of a we invite everybody to come and have their voices be heard and and all sit in a room and figure out what we're going to bring as an industry to government and you know being okay with the with just sitting in a room and knowing that you might not agree with everybody on everything. You know, this was something that I learned from Gail Kennedy mostly because she you know she's pretty hard nosed with some of her views and and some of these things don't work with us and we've had fights with her and <laughs> and she was at this meeting last week and she we came we and she came up and we had a big hug and I love Gail to death and it's because we have this mutual understanding that's like no we're not going to agree on everything there are contentious relationships in any industry and this is you know producer and crew is one of them i think yeah and it, and it's and it's it's going to be our challenge to to Still work together. Yes, while even though not agreeing on everything. Totally, and just finding where is that common ground, and how do we as an industry provide a unified voice for real change? Um, to you know, to improve the health of our entire industry, bring more jobs here, and bring more productions here because it's going to serve us all. So, it is that open door policy, and I think this is why the timing for this episode is really important too, because these meetings are still happening, and if you're listening, you can come to these meetings. You sure you can. are invited. <laughs> Right? Everyone's yes. welcome. There's no exclusion happening. What you find is people with the, with skin in the game show up. Right. right. Like so a very active production manager showed up at one of our meetings. That made sense. And she had a lot to say about what the issues were. Right. And the group actually 
changed its course because there was a focus that, oh, right, this is one of the main ones. So there was sort of a prioritization of issues happening with a, a, a wide enough range of stakeholders for it not to be um, an inside exclusive kind of decision-making right, right, right. thing, which is, has always been the fear. Of course. But so, I, naturally, human nature, we're all thinking about our own house and our own problems and our own challenges. And, and, and you brought up Doc Alberta, and, it, and it's like, oh, yeah, we have to remember that there's, there are other people that aren't doing necessarily exactly the same thing you're doing. Yeah, I, I, I don't really mean to single them out. No, but, no, but, but I think they're a good example as someone who – actually, there's a lot of documentary production happening. There and, is, and it's a popular genre right now. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Especially on and Netflix. The, and absolutely. we should not forget it. And so it's important, I think, for everyone to make sure that their little piece of the community is represented. So that was one of the biggest challenges. And, it, you know, if we're, if we're to address all our challenges, I'm so glad you guys want to have this discussion. Mm-hmm. Back in the days of AFAC, that was an issue. Doc Alberta wanted their seat at the table. Mm-hmm. And that was a legitimate discussion happening around the table. And, you know, you get um, Digital Interactive, we've got a group of gamers, we've got post-production, we've got, I think everyone's included. Right. (laughs) But I don't know how many chairs are going to be at the table. (laughs) Right, right. And the other issue, the other one that we've not discussed that I think is as important as all the other considerations, and this was raised by the Cinematographers Guild, and I think they're bang on on this point. It's not good enough to just have a group that meets with government. You actually need a champion. Mm-hmm. It can't be the third bureaucrat that got assigned to do the thing they didn't really want to do. Right, right. So the conversation we're now having with government, which is a perfect one, especially in light of the fact that economic development and culture are currently being engaged by various stakeholders, is who is your champion? We want the person, be it a bureaucrat or an elected official, that actually loves our industry right. or is from we'll it. Go to bat for us. Yeah. You know, we'd had Sandra Jensen when she was conservative. She, right. for a time, took a time at the wheel of the Alberta Film Advisory Council. Oh, I didn't know that. And she had sort of, we recognized her as being from our industry. Right, exactly. Yeah. So, so um, this concept of who's the champion is not so much who's the champion on the industry side, but it's actually a conversation that the government um it is expected and and you know if they're doing their job to pick that person that's the right one that's fired up and is gonna help us get to this i almost said promised land that's a bit of a cliche <laughs> sure um it is a monday today so. yeah. <laughs> but there's also you know a serious need to engage the public because yes engaging bureaucracy is critical but Politicians are also critical and you need their buy-in and they need to be able to report to the people that vote them in and they need to, you know, those the, the public needs to understand. This was something that I brought up in the meeting. There is no, you know, veil between the film industry and, and any other industry. You know, we love to pretend that there's some magic curtain. and But if you're a welder, you can work in the film industry. If you're a carpenter, you can work in the film industry. There's there's a locations, uh, assistant locations manager that I was chatting with who works with Dennis Penny, who used to be a car mechanic. It doesn't take very long to work in this industry. And when we're talking about diversification, we're talking about the opportunity of this industry to help the province with that. There are translatable jobs that 
that are, you know, an easy switch. It, just, it takes a week to figure out how this industry works. Well, it's not that complicated. There's high, you know, in this province right now, there's high unemployment in, amongst electricians. There's right. a group of electricians not working. They can literally take a generator operator course and some training, and I've seen it happen. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's a tough industry, but... If they need the work, there is an opportunity totally. there. Right. Yeah. And that part of the conversation I had with Gail was that she's, she, she runs the monthly set etiquette course we talk about all the time. But the people attending that course now are not, you know, teenagers who want to get into movies. They're people with past professional lives in other industries hmm. that are like, oh, the film industry is somewhere that I could go. So the demand is already happening. And I think just pushing that out to public awareness, you know, is, is an important message. But it's also a massive task. It's not easy to do, and it can't be done by a couple of people sitting around a table. So we need the industry to get behind this in a way of I, I can go, you know, produce a video, or I can talk to my family and my friends and let them know that this is a thing. Just we need a movement, a grassroots movement. Yeah, so that's actually happening, and there is a group. So there's an up and coming gaffer and uh, an assistant director, and there's um, a person who's a publicist as well as a cinematographer that uh, sort of put forth, we want to do this. So they're working on their plan, and I think they're coming back with it next Thursday. But if mm -hmm. people want to plug in and come to a meeting, I mean, there's only so many people can attend a meeting, but the goal is let's keep this discussion and momentum going. Mm -hmm. let's, let's advise all our stakeholders that these meetings are happening and that they're welcome. It's a very positive thing. The people who've been to a meeting certainly think uh, it's a good idea and it's not nothing has been set in stone in terms of how we organize as an industry but um, this is the first time where I've seen so much communication going on between groups who you would think would communicate a lot right, right. so um, so I think we're gonna continue to have meetings eventually the need will be reduced because we'll have a committee that meets with government but we better get our house in order as For much sure. as possible. Sure. Yeah, I don't buy into we all agree on everything. They speak in one voice. Right. I do agree that by and large, most of the issues, we're all on the same page. Um, um, where I think um, I may differ from the chair of Ampia, it, um, in his words, he's that Ampia is non-prescriptive. They're not going to say what government ought to do. Mm. But I actually think um, that we've done that before. We've lobbied to raise the cap simply and how are you going to do it? We've done that and failed. And there's an old Einstein quote about... <laughs> Failing and trying it again. Yep. That's the one. And I guess today's my day for really overused cliches. Right. But the point I'm making is if government is telling you two things, we want to work with you, but we've got a problem. And your comeback is... We want to work with you as well, and we think we have a solution, but we need a room to meet in, and we need buy-in from the rest of the industry. Let's have that discussion. Right. And if it's the bureaucrats that want to be talking about it because there's an election underway, let's have that. Let's not raise expectations that in March a budget will come out, let alone one that changes significantly what we have. But I, I, I have to say that... I would be underserving my members if the lobby to government was something where one of the outcomes was the status quo. Because uh, And I've maybe said it twice already. The status quo represents hundreds of job losses 
I cannot be advocating for that ever to be an outcome. Right. It might be an outcome, but I think from where I'm coming from, the bar has to be set in a way that the studios will always be full, that the equipment rentals will be busy and we'll have all the greatest gear, the the best drones and the best sure, yeah. arms and the okay. best, all of all of those fancy camera cars and things, that we should have a plethora of them here because... We're exploiting a. I use exploiting in in the sense that we're taking an opportunity and we're going for it. And the government can win and look really good. Right. And uh, um, we absolutely should do this. And I think I think we're in better shape this month than we were two months ago. Mm. And what I'm hearing about the government's intentions to reopen channels, I think in January will be strong. So I think. We'll continue our meetings. We'll leave the door wide open and unlocked. There'll be a little spot just outside the door for people to uh, check their swords. <laughs> I've just overdone the cliches. I, think. No, I like it. I like but um, it. I, I, I think that um, I, I think that this this is going to happen. And the reason I think that is because there's a lot of young people engaging and saying. Right. I'll be the one that drives to Didsbury and right. does the Talk, short yeah. info piece about the right, antique right. shop owner. Right. And I'll be the one who works on the branding and right, I'll be right. the one. And I work at the equipment rental place and they're going to supply some equipment. Right. So when you see that energy and that willingness and and you're engaging the grassroots at that level, right. it's really a positive thing. So I'm hoping... I'm hoping that we we're building on that and gonna get somewhere. We all know the election's coming. Yeah. And uh, you you know now they're saying it might be in March or April. Yeah. Before they were saying May. Right. So um, this could happen all in a shorter time frame. Yeah. And um, you know my last discussion with Ampia uh, was about the question being asked to all the political parties to get them to commit. So we're that close. Um, everybody's everybody's pulling for this, and um, so I'm feeling good. So let's pretend I'm listening and I'm wondering how, how I can get involved, what the next steps might be, if I want to attend a meeting or just find out what's going on. How, how do I do that? Sure. Well, there's a group of stakeholders meeting, and if they want to contact Sarah at albertafilmindustryac at gmail.com, they can be plugged into the whole right. thing. They can get access to when the meetings are. They can even raise issues um, and plug in with with other stakeholders that way. So we've got Sarah. She's managing um, newcomers to the group. And it's albertafilmindustryac at gmail.com. Awesome. So, yeah, no no excuse or reason not to attend the meetings. Are there, uh, perhaps in the future, are there going to be any, like if you're in Edmonton or, or some of the smaller areas? Um, absolutely. Kind of uh, um, you can call in now, right? You can call yeah. in. Okay. Yes, and we've had, we've had people from the Edmonton industry calling in. Cool. So, great. Um, you, had there, a, you had a big speakerphone right in the center of the room. When, when yeah, there, so yeah. There's, there's, no, there's no effort to exclude anyone. Okay, cool. And this is... Um, I think this is important because we're on the, we're on the verge of getting to a place where we're reestablishing our dialogue with government. Right, right. So. Well, yeah, and I think I think that's that's it's great that that's kind of step one is like let's get together and talk and 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 come up with a sort of a a clear 
uh, message that we can all agree on sending to the government. Sure. And I will say in the new year, there is a group of young, motivated stakeholders working on the public engagement right, plan. Right. And uh, so if someone showed up to a meeting, they would probably get some input into that piece of Absolutely, it. Absolutely, right, right, yeah. And, cool. uh, you know, uh, the, there's a narrowing of the issues. And we just want to make sure that everybody's got a voice Great. and yeah. build out from there. Awesome. Well, thank you, Damien, for being on the show. And, yeah, I appreciate uh, the time. And yeah. yeah, just one more note that, you know, this isn't about, you know, arguing. I mean, we're going to have differing opinions. It's about sort of getting the conversation going, and that's important. Yeah, absolutely. Quite right. Well, I'd like to wish your listeners a prosperous new year. And thank you. Uh, we're looking forward to working together with as many stakeholders as possible. Yeah, bright future for our industry if we can all work together, I think. Awesome. Thanks, Damien. Yeah. All right. So there, uh, there you have it. Um, <clears throat> lots of, you know, obviously we're, you know, we, uh, we're in agreement on, on many things that we're not in agreement on everything. Um, and I'm sure you're not either. Um, but you know, we can't, uh, you know, this is just, this is basic stuff that yeah. every other industry does that, that we, you know, and we every, just, yeah, every going to be disagreement. Yeah. Totally. And that's fine. It's about, it's about pushing forward as an industry. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the definition of forward can mean something different for someone than it does for someone else. But I think we all want to have more production volume here. We all want more projects here um, so that we can all find full-time work here. Totally, I don't think anyone totally. would be opposed to that. And if you are, then then I hate you. <laughs> then we disagree. And that is something that <laughs> well, I will I, fight you. I mean, there's, there's you know, I, I there are, you know, we've, we've, we've been in arguments on Facebook and, and, for sure. and it's fine to disagree. And, and I, I, I think it's really important to uh, to agree with the person who disagrees with you on points that they're correct about, right? Like, right. just uh, there's that there's that guy online, um, Ben Shapiro, who is like really hardcore conservative, has some really hardcore views, and is a great debater. Right. And he was on um, Bill Maher's show, and and Bill got him positioned into basically saying you know, well, uh, talking about impeachment for Trump and, uh, and he, and, and Shapiro agreed. He said, if the evidence is there, then yes, we should. Right. But but we haven't seen any evidence was his argument. And so at least there's sanity there. So, so let's just be sane and, and like, you know, not everything's great, but not everything's shit either. Um, and, and there's, you know, my, my, my big anger is when people complain, but don't do anything about it. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about, how easy it is to get involved with something like the board of the CSIF or yeah. FAVA or uh, get on a committee with Ampia or join the board of Ampia. You can get involved if you have such a strong opinion. Please do something about it. Like, please take some action. Don't be an asshole, but but like get involved in this conversation. Yeah, that's that's the only person I'm mad at is somebody who's just going to sit and complain and not do anything. About right. It. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, bam. Mic all drop right, on that right. for sure. Well, uh, hopefully uh, we haven't lost anyone, but uh, let's jump into the news you can use. Every uh, every week, this is brought to you by Bleeding Art Industries, of course, and they give us their uh, their weekly tip. And this week, they have sent along this message to send to you fine folks, you fine listeners. They say the floodgates have opened, and now anyone and everyone can shoot their own film as fast as it takes to tap the video setting of one's cell phone. Although this democratization has been a great opportunity, it also means that a diminished level of quality is now rampant. Recently, a horribly lit, very flat-looking production was commented upon, 
and by an ex- uh, experienced technician, no less, as being one with very high production values. Walking away in disbelief, I realized that to many people, they've been so inundated with crappy filmmaking that they begin to think <laughs> it's the norm. People have forgotten how to critically analyze something for what makes it good and what makes it bad. Without having to take a film studies course, perhaps it's time for us to start analyzing the work we see and the work we do a little more closely. Just because a production is being aired or screened doesn't make it a good one. Fair point. That's totally fair. Yes. Yeah, it's absolutely true. You know, I mean, I know Bleeding Art would agree with me when I say story always comes first, Mm -hmm. but as professionals in the film industry, that's what's going to separate us from from people who are just shooting something on their iPhone. For sure. Right? Like the the access to the technology, the access to the equipment and the access to the distribution, um, the barriers of that continue to fall. I mean, they're already down, but but the quality of those platforms, the quality of that technology that is accessible to everyone, it continues to go up. Mm-hmm. And so to be a professional in this field, um, that's what's going to separate you is that that eye for quality and that ability to recognize when that care and attention has been put into something versus when it is not right. Yeah. I would agree with that for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, the, the one sort of uh, caveat uh, and I, and I don't think bleeding art would disagree uh, is that, you know, people who are starting out and just getting work out there, it's really important to just, to just do it anyway. Even if, even if it's not, you know, your first short film, your first project is not going to look or sound fantastic or Netflix worthy. Um, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it. Um, no, of course not. It's a great learning experience, um, and it's how you get better. So, um, yeah, don't not do it. Right. But, uh, yeah, practice makes perfect. Exactly. Of course. Exactly. Uh, okay, let's get into some upcoming deadlines. Uh, CSAF and Imaginative are having their fifth annual mentorship program, and they've got a call for applicants in Alberta. If you're an emerging Indigenous media artist living in Alberta with a great idea for a five-minute short film, this is for you. Um, so this is your chance to... Basically take the workshops you need, get the equipment and the facilities you need to shoot and edit your short film and then see it play on the big screen at the 20th anniversary Imaginative Film and Media Arts Festival in Toronto from October 27th to, or sorry, October 22nd to the 27th, 2019. Um, Yeah, a lot to be known about this. uh, So you should definitely check it out. It's a great opportunity to get a short film made for for little to no money at all. Um, The deadline for submissions is right after the holidays, Monday, January 7th by 5 p.m., uh, you can check out the link in the show notes or go to csif.org uh, for more information about this program. Uh, Hothouse 12 uh, paid apprenticeship at the NFB Animation Studio is accepting applications for in, from Indigenous filmmakers and artists of any age until January 9th. It's a 22-week program put on by the NFB in partnership with Imaginative Film and Media Arts Festival and will pair each of the two successful candidates with an Indigenous associate producer and an Indigenous mentoring director toward the creation of a short, no longer than one minute. Um, you, so you can check out nfb.ca slash hothouse for more information on this. Fava Fest has now a call for submissions. Um, it's now open, which means that the annual celebration of Fava members' work is coming in 2019. And now is the time to submit your completed film uh, in the Awards of Excellence category. If you don't have a completed film, but you've got something coming up, or you've got a project on the burner, as they call it, consider applying to the production awards. Any FAVA member in good standing is eligible to apply for any of these awards. Um, you can email membership at fava.ca to buy or renew your membership. By the way, the end of the year is coming up. And there's a lot of info and guidelines about these awards. Check out fava.ca uh, for more information about all that. 
Well, it's rosy time of year again, Scott. Rosie. Uh, the, uh, do you remember, I was just thinking about this. It was five years ago. Now we were, you and I were sitting in a hotel room in Vegas burning dvds dude i was just thinking about this i remember <laughs> running like i was walking around the strip looking for dvds because nobody had dvds yeah. anymore and i went to a walgreens and found like a stack of i don't know like 10 or something for like 25 bucks and uh you don't need that anymore though right you don't need to ship no, DVDs I, anymore. I think you can uh i think it's, it's a drop box yeah yeah um but yes it's uh it is a wonderful uh part of the film calendar every year and if you would like to uh, be one of the sort of nominated projects or, or uh, honored uh, nominees or winners even, uh, you're going to want to submit your project to uh, Ampia. Uh, when's the deadline? Saturday. Oh, the event itself is happening on uh, April 27th. Uh, but I'm not sure what the deadline is. They're usually kind of in early to mid-January. Yeah, I feel like it is mid-January. So, Submissions so, are due on January 16th. There it is. Oh, there it is. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so mid-gen, there you go. Uh, so check out the link in the show notes for more information on that. There's all sorts of different, if you don't know about it, uh, there's all sorts of different categories you can apply for, and it is Alberta-wide. So anything that, uh, that you know, you can, uh, you know, we've been talking to a lot of creators from outside of Edmonton and Calgary and, and you know, even Red Deer. Um, you know, every, it's open to everyone uh, from from Grand Prairie to Fort McMurray to, uh, you know, the whole province. So um so yeah, it's uh, and I think it's becoming more and more friendly to the lower budget filmmaker totally. and, and uh, the story hive filmmaker. So um, yeah, something to check out. Absolutely, uh, Faba is offering a scholarship um, for um, people who might be having um, difficulty accessing uh, education pursuits. Right. So it's called the POV scholarship. Um, and the pitch is basically that many people have talents that go unrecognized or underutilized barriers to inclusion, such as socioeconomic status, ethnicity, gender, age, national origin, disability, sexual orientation, education, religion are varied. And they can sometimes keep people from, from participating in and contributing to the arts. So they've created the scholarship to kind of help break down those barriers a little bit. Um, and they're, what they're basically in, including in the scholarship is a free one year FAVA membership and tuition fees for one of FAVA's media arts programs. And those can be several hundred dollars. Um, so it's a great way to uh, get access to this training and, and learn how to make a, a short film um, if you otherwise wouldn't have the financial ability or, or, or other ability to right, make that happen. Yeah. So they're currently accepting applications for their intro to screenwriting course, uh, their main course, and their video kitchen. We talk about these all the time. Uh, but they're basically, yeah, you can you make a short film and the, the video kitchen is an introductory version of it. The main course is more of an intermediate version uh, and intro to screenwriting. I feel like it speaks for itself. The applications for these are all coming up January 19th or the 25th. So I would encourage you to check it out sooner than later. Uh, and there's a link to how to do that in the show notes, but I'm sure it's also on fava.ca. Uh, it's talent to watch time again, Scott. You know what? I'm just going to say this right now. If you want to make a movie, this is the way to, to get it going. Totally, yeah. It's it, the, the easiest the easiest route. And it's becoming more accessible. It totally. Seems, it seems like every year it's, you know, it, Alberta filmmakers are, are you know, being <clears throat> brought into the scope of the telephone world more and more, which is nice to see. It is nice to see. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, we could talk about this for ages and we have on several podcasts Certainly. from the past. So yeah, if, if you're just new to this and you're just hearing this now, it was formerly called the, the Telephone Microbudget Program. Right. We talk about it at length in our earlier episodes, especially around kind of the 2016 times when we mm -hmm. were making In Plain View. Mm -hmm. But I will offer half an hour of my time to oh. any podcast listener who wow. wants to pick my brain. We'll nice. do it over Skype. 
um, you know, not over Christmas, but sometime in the early new year. But but a Christmas present from a Christmas Scott present Westby, from right? Scott Westby to <laughs> any podcast listeners that just want to pick my brain and they're thinking about applying. That's great. Um, hello at ebfilmcast.ca. Just send an email. Um, no judgment, no bad questions. Totally. Um, and we might decide that maybe this isn't the year for you to apply, but maybe next year is. Right. So. Yeah, reach out and let us know if you if you want any guidance on this. Totally. And and if you don't know, uh, a really integral piece of the puzzle is that it's sort of a two-phase acceptance program. Telefilm doesn't uh, take the applications directly. They rely on partner organizations. And in Alberta, those partner organizations are CSIF and FAVA. And SAIT uh, is and on SAIT. the list. Um, this will be their first year, and so I think there might still be some um, details to work out. Right. Uh, but if you are a SAIT alumni, it's worth checking out uh, uh, more information. Uh, maybe reach out to the faculty there um, and see see what you need to do. But if, if, you, have, uh, if you are a member of the CSIF or a FAVA, um, you are uh, likely eligible, not necessarily. It depends on how long right. you've been a member in some cases. Uh, eligible to apply through uh, one of those organizations as well. So, uh, and another a new change this year is that all of the partner organizations can now recommend indigenous projects. That was sort of an additional layer that I think you had to apply yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. FAVA was doing it, I believe. CSI yeah, that's was right. Not, but now both organizations uh, can accept those indigenous programs as well. Without getting too deep into it, there are several tiers within the program that you can apply for. Uh, the main component is what we did. Um, so check out those uh, the link in the show notes and check out the guidelines. It really, really can be a, a very serious, viable route to your first feature film or long-form sort of web series. Yeah, it's it's a career launcher. That's the whole point of the program. Definitely. So um, upcoming screenings. There's something happening at the Metro Cinema on December 23rd. That's Monday? Sunday? That's Sunday. Um and the Metro Cinema is extending a discount to Ampia members. It is a 35mm screening of the Alberta-made Christmas gem and multiple Rosie Award winner, Solitaire, directed by Francis Damberger, who will be there. Uh, this at, is very cool. Yeah, it is cool. So it's uh, Sunday, December 23rd, 3.30pm at the Metro Cinema. Um, it's a story of youthful enthusiasm and broken dreams chronicling one Christmas Eve in the lives of three people. Just say Ampia sent me at the box office for the special $5 attendance rate. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. That is, uh, speaking of the Rosies, I mean, that's, uh, I, apparently Solitaire was a, was a big winner at uh, the 1991. Yeah. <laughs> Rosie so speaking of Christmas, yeah, it's, uh, it's Christmas too. <laughs> it's all tied together. This is a beautiful episode. It's delicately yes. crafted. Yeah. It's all, it's all part of the plan. <laughs> uh, the, uh, the monthly set etiquette and protocol course instructed by Emmy winner Gail Kennedy is uh, happening again uh, on the 10th of January, uh, 6 p.m., at uh, IATSE's location, uh, number 201-208, 57th Avenue Southwest. It's $40, and of course, this is a required uh, course to get into uh, the DGC and IATSE, um, so you must attend if you're interested in jumping into the industry uh, through those portals, and uh, you can check out the link in the show notes to sign up. Fava is hosting an intro to Adobe After Effects course. This is happening Saturday, January 19th. From 2 to 5 p.m. in Edmonton at Fava's location. Uh, it's only 40 bucks if you're a member, 50 bucks if you're not a member. You visit fava.ca or call 780-429-1671 to register. Um, you should take it. After mm-hmm. Effects is super mm-hmm. fun. It's super cool. Uh, it's a very powerful program. And even if you don't plan on using it, it's always good to know what it can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and a basic introductory course for 40 bucks and an afternoon, you'll know it. So that's pretty, pretty cool. Definitely. Uh, Gail Kennedy also runs uh, an interesting course called Color Theory that we've talked about in the past. Um, I know that she loves teaching this course because it is sort of a unique conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Um, it covers additive uh, uh, and, and subtractive color theory. Uh, and it's open to anyone who deals with color, color correcting and wondering how your uh, efforts will look on screen. Uh, Hands-on experience, so participants should be prepared to mix pigments and uh, contact education to register. I believe that that means the IATSE education area. Department, yeah. But the, uh, oh yeah, and, and uh, Gail Kennedy and uh, Kalina Conrad are the instructors. Yeah. Um, now, I, I, I'm not, it sounds like from the description there that it's open to the public. Um, yeah, I think it is open and, to anyone who deals with color. Yeah, it's just it's just the pricing is for member members are twenty dollars. So if you're a member of IATSE, uh, twenty bucks, and then if you're a permit, it's forty dollars. Um, but yeah, I imagine you can get in uh, to this course if you're just interested in learning more and you're not an IATSE. Yeah, I mean member it's, just, it's the same price as their uh, for, for the permit price is the same as the set etiquette course, which of course right. cannot be a member or, of or course, a permit of course, unless you yeah. take that. So um, we might be wrong, but worth worth reaching out. Um, yeah, yeah. If we're wrong, let us know. Uh, Fava is having their intro to screenwriting, which we talked about with their POV scholarship. Uh, so you have an opportunity to have Fava um, help you with the tuition for this. Um, but if not, it's $475 and it's going from February 9th to April 13th um, from 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. on that specific day of the week. And um, it's an opportunity to develop a short or a feature film script or a one-hour teleplay. Um, in a supportive workshop setting, uh, it'll focus on crafting the concept and, and structure of your story, and you'll be able to get feedback on your evolving script. Um, so you're encouraged to enter the class with a straight outline or first draft of the idea that you wish to develop. Um, if you come with nothing, obviously, you're not going to get as much out of it. Um, so you should have something to actively work on while you go through this program. So you can call Fava or visit fava.ca to find out more information on how to register. And the Banff Center and Ampia have launched Story Studio, which we've chatted about before. This is sort of born of the Story Summit conference that they put on. Um, and uh, they're accepting applications to attend Story Studio, uh, presented in partnership with the Government of Alberta and Alberta Film. Um, it's a two-and-a-half-day program uh, addressing new approaches to storytelling, innovating with uh, technology, business models for media, content, and more. This immersive experience aimed at post-secondary students and entry-level producers and craftspeople includes hands-on workshops and master classes in pitching, directing, and other aspects of filmmaking. The application deadline is February 13th, and the program runs March 9th uh, to 11th, um, but you get there on March 8th. Uh, so that is that. We should do, we should have like an introductory episode to be like, just for like the acronyms and like people who are just, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, cause we, we go so deep into it. I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to picture myself listening to this and being like, fuck, right. there's so much great useful information in this, but you know, I, I don't know what FAVA is yeah, yeah. Um, or what CSIF is. And I know we talk, we, we try to break down those abbreviations and give some info as much as we can and we can't do it every time, but right. maybe that's a good idea to have like a getting started with the good. podcast, yeah. getting started yeah. in the film industry kind of episode. Totally. Um, with that, even that basic kind of stuff, but we're only going to do it if people ask. For yeah. It. <laughs> so, yeah. So ask for it. Um, yeah. If you think that's a good idea, truly let us know. So what's shooting? Uh, nothing right now. Everyone's on Christmas holiday, but uh, kicking off again in the new year, the secret history of the wild west is going to be continuing and they will be shooting until April 26th and tenfold the Disney feature starring Mr. Willem Dafoe. Um, We'll be coming back on January 9th and they'll be shooting only for a couple weeks until February 14th and then that will be a wrap for them. So that's what's going on there. Job calls, nothing, but I'm sure we'll have some in the new year mm -hmm. as people kind of kick off their 2019 seasons. Right. Recommendations? 
Recommendations. I see a note here from Briar suggesting that we talk about our favorite, I guess last year we talked about our favorite Christmas movies. Right. So maybe this year we should talk about our favorite Christmas episodes of TV, which is a good idea. That is a good idea. And I know I've got one, but I can't think of it right now. Uh, I just saw the Christmas special of Schitt's Creek. Oh, yeah. Yesterday. Yeah, I saw people talking about that. It, dude, that show's so great. I'm just so proud as Canadian. Yeah, it's, yeah. Cool. It's awesome. It's nice. really good. Yeah, the, this one was, it felt a little bit tough at times just because it, it didn't feel like it was part of the larger season. Like mm. there was a little bit that was um, awkward about it, but mm. but it's a great show and it was a, it was a great episode. I'm sure it'll be part of our annual must watch. What Who has great Christmas episodes? Um, Community had a few really good oh, ones. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Um, hmm. I just watched Wreck-It Ralph, not a Christmas movie. Was it Wreck-It Ralph or Ralph Breaks the Internet? It was Wreck-It Ralph. I, we want to see Ralph uh, Breaks the Internet, but I hadn't seen the first one. So, did you, did you like it? I absolutely loved it. I know we're so off topic here, but... Dude, uh, you will love Ralph Breaks the Internet. Yeah. You will love it. Yeah. That that script is fucking on point. It's like, tight. It is yeah. perfect. It's my really, only, really good. My only issue with Wreck-It Ralph was they spent so long in Candyland. I felt like it was going to mm. be like a romp through multiple types right, of video right, games. Right, right. Gotcha. Um, but so that was my only issue with it. But then Ralph breaks the internet. Damn, it was it's, it's it's a must see. Sweet, yeah, it's absolutely sweet. so. It's a wild ride. It's a lot of fun. So, uh, but yeah, not yeah. Christmas. Sorry, damn it. Uh, I was just very impressed with that script. It's uh, it's super smart. Yeah, very good. Um, yeah, I don't know. I can't think of I can't think of any, and I'm sure I'll think of ten. At, yeah, uh, as soon as we hit the stop button. But yeah, we started this podcast like three years ago now. Yeah, I think and. Our first Christmas episode, I recommended. I don't know if you remember, but I just received these new jeans in oh, the mail I from I American Eagle. Flex yes, denim, the flex denim gate. Well, Matt, I'm here to tell you <laughs> that there is a new flex denim in town. Oh, really? It's still from American Eagle, but now it's called 3D Flex. Oh, and I'm wearing my first pair of 3D Flex. <laughs> I love this, and I gotta say, this comes full circle. If you thought flex denim was flexible, you need to try <laughs> 3D Flex denim from American Eagle. Oh. It's it's incredible. It's incredible. I'm throwing my old flex denim out. I actually am because they were because I wore the shit out of those jeans. Right, but right. I like jeans, but I also like to be comfortable. Of course, of course. Yeah, yep. I, I know Kevin Dory has a problem with the, with the flex. Oh, denim. does he? Yeah, oh. he feels like jeans should feel like jeans. Right. He's so curmudgeonly sometimes. No and, doubt. And I like, no. Yeah, I'm like, but you can't move in these yeah, jeans. Why He's like, can't That's what I like about it. Feel I like, like pajamas. Yeah, but exactly. But look, look like jeans. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So I'm going to recommend 3D Flex. They're great for on set too because sometimes you need to dive out of the way of you know falling objects or, or have the protection that right, denim right, offers. Right. And just make that check out to uh, the Alberta Filmmakers <laughs> podcast. Yeah, there. thanks American, American Eagle. Eagle. Um, <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, if, if we haven't hammered the recommendations home enough, uh, obviously try to get some time in with your family. It's that time of yes. season. I recommend uh, taking a break and uh, yeah, trying to enjoy yourself a little bit. Um, and, uh, then getting back to, back to business in the new year. Um, yeah, that's, that's it for me. That's it for me, man. 2018 was, was an amazing year. Um, yeah, I mean, even just, just for me, like I I had a fucking great year. It was, yeah, Um, it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool for, yeah. I mean, and, and yeah. Uh, this isn't a place to brag, but two, two <laughs> movies in two years is pretty cool. It's awesome, yeah. Uh, we're, we're, and yeah, it, it has been a good year. We're we're very lucky. Yeah, and and it's been great to uh, have this podcast kind of going all year. Like we're fifty, mm-hmm. we're episode fifty one, and we started just before twenty eighteen started. So yeah, you've been following us along for an entire year. Hopefully, it was kind of a cool snapshot of 
what's going on. We still got one episode yeah. left in the season though. So um, thanks to for the year to Briar, Chad, Britt, and Seth for helping mm-hmm. us put this podcast together. Um, if you're an Alberta filmmaker, this podcast was designed for you. So we want to make sure that you're getting the most value out of it possible and that it's as useful to you as it can be. Mm-hmm. So if you have any um, ideas or, or, you know, format suggestions or new topics or, you know, maybe there's something every week that we should be covering that we're not. Or uh, we got your name wrong or um, we, we didn't talk about a workshop that you're hosting. Uh, we want to be sharing all that stuff. The point of this podcast is to let everyone know what's going on, who's who's active, who's doing stuff. Um, so just reach out and just let us know. We'll be sure to put it in our next episode. How can they reach us yeah like you said about uh about reaching out to you that very kind to offer uh as well uh for people interested in the telephone talent to watch program uh or anything you want to chat with us about it's it's hello at abfilmcast.ca and uh of course we're on all the social media platforms abfilmcast and uh we're on itunes and spotify and uh we hope you can uh give us some good ratings on itunes that always helps the show and uh, now we'll hear an, uh, an item from uh, APA, uh, wonderful, as you always say, the, the best recorded, <laughs> the best sounding part of our whole podcast. Yeah. And uh, after that, you should go, go make, make something. The Alberta Filmmakers Podcast is proudly sponsored by APA, the Alberta Post-Production Association. APA represents technical and creative professionals working behind the scenes in editing, sound, and visual effects. Our members live here in Alberta and support producers with expertise in picture editing, color grading, graphic design, compositing, audio post, music scoring, and so much more. For more information about post-production, visit APA online at albertapost.org.